Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to episode number 109 of the LSR Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry with me. I have Dustin Galker. I have Adam Candy. You can follow them on the Twitter machine for free, and you should, at Dustin Galker, at Adam Candy, two E's, no Y. And if you hate yourself, you can follow me, at Matt Brown M2. We will talk a hang-up in my home state of Louisiana. What's going on in Ohio? Scientific games, some interesting stuff coming out of there as well. We will always go through the rapid-fire state updates as well. But hey, Dustin, let's kick things off here with what is going on in New York. Well, we have a, a deadline tomorrow where we start advancing what's going on in New York. We're going to get the uh, the process for the request for proposals in the state, which means uh, the operators then have the next month to say, here, this is what we want to do in New York sports betting. And uh, there are a wide range of outcomes from there. Uh, good story by Matt Waters over at LSR uh, that, you can, that you can read right now with uh, one of the key proponents of sports betting legalization in the state center, Joe Adabo. Uh, who is optimistic that uh, you will have many operators in the state? Well, I don't know, many, many is an eye of the beholder, but it's it's going to be a he he thinks it's going to be a, a like actually the quote is fair share of providers. So that's uh, that's good news, I think. Uh, you know whether that is the the end all be all and what what the state actually ends up choosing uh, is will be interesting to see. But uh, you know we're getting some some inklings here that you know we we may have a little better market than we had hoped for. But uh, like all things, proof is in the pudding. We'll have to wait to see what ha- what comes out of this process, who is selected, and uh, you know what you know what everything looks like, how much revenue they're giving to New York, and whether there's going to be you know whether who those operators are. So, but we have this first deadline of tomorrow where we start moving toward a process where where New York's going to have online betting in the not too distant future. Adam, when we look at New York, I mean, when you hear this, I mean, is this one of those where? You know, look, we've heard the people who are in favor of stuff in New York give us kind of a rosy outlook on stuff before. Are you looking at this with a little bit different lens or are you still kind of taking this with a grain of salt? I think grain of salt is probably more the way to put it, Matt, because what we heard from Adabo in that article with Matt Waters is that there hadn't been significant pushback to what is going to be roundly accepted as at least a 50% revenue share. And I think by the time this thing is done, it's probably going to be higher. It's probably gonna be more like 55 at least, but to in order to separate the bid. So uh, that puts it in grain of salt territory for me because there are only so many operators who can afford to do that and provide the kind of return that New York is looking for. We've talked before, they're expecting $500 million a year. The numbers simply do not pencil out uh, to $500 million a year, even at 50%. So do they come closer to 250, 300, 300 and change? Yeah, you can see where that gets there. But if the whole idea of going to this restrictive model that does not give New Yorkers a significant amount of choice in terms of who they bet on sports with, was that if the whole idea was to create more revenue, we're still not really sold on how that happens. 
We uh, talk a lot about Florida here on the podcast and with us talking a ton about Florida, there has been, you know, twists and turns and trying to figure out how this is all going to work out. Uh, Adam, we now know that there are some of the people that we have talked about every single podcast here uh, for the last couple of years that are behind trying to get something done there. So if I asked the two of you on this podcast and said, hey, after Florida's state legislature ratified the compact between the governor and the Seminole tribe that essentially gave the Seminole tribe a monopoly on sports betting in Florida, and I'd said, guys, who do you think might be behind an effort to open up that market to companies beyond the Seminole tribe and not have to do business for all of them through the Seminole tribe? You would say, well, Adam, DraftKings and FanDuel would be the most likely ones <laughs> to be behind that. And as much as we speculated that that would be the case for this ballot measure that they are circulating right now to get on the 2022 ballot for voters to approve a certain type of sports betting expansion, uh, now we know for sure. Uh, we have confirmation from PAC filings that uh, representatives both of FanDuel and DraftKings and of a lobbying firm that does a lot of work for FanDuel and DraftKings are on the board of this pack, uh, essentially the political action committee that's going to be in charge of trying to qualify it for the ballot. So where does, where does that leave us right now? Right now, what's happening is the compact that was approved in Florida has been sent up to the Federal Department of Interior. If it ultimately gets approved, that will probably face lawsuits from groups that were behind the 2018 constitutional amendment that made it so that voters in Florida have the right to approve or reject any casino expansion. The definition of casino expansion, of course, is what's really in play here because the compact uh, gave the tribe the right to operate sports betting, the right to sub-license sports betting, uh, essentially not treating it as an expansion. So uh, we'll see what happens from here, but not surprising to see that a competing effort to do a different type of sports betting in Florida that would benefit FanDuel and DraftKings is backed by FanDuel and DraftKings. Yeah, Dustin, when we when we take a look at this, I mean, the one of the things we said with Florida and when things first started coming out and it looking like maybe there would be a monopoly with the, the different stuff that was going on. I mean, you had to assume at the very least political games were going to start to get played and money was going to start to get thrown around because Florida is one of those states that since we've literally since literally the overturning of PASPA, we have been talking about as as one of the big fish out there. And you had to assume that uh, the big guys weren't going to just let it go away without at least some sort of fight. Yeah, I mean, you, this is this is the, one of the biggest markets that we're going to see. You know, we had we talked about New York already, where you know it sounds like there could be an avenue for the DraftKings, Fandles, and other other big operators to get in in the right scenario. Um, but yeah, this one was this one's different. We the interesting part of this, and we talked about this on the fly last week, right as this news was happening. And I'd be curious to know if Adam knows any more or has any uh, thoughts on this too. Is that this, you know, the dynamic allowed for the Seminole tribe to waive its uh, exclusivity to have other operators come in as provided that they give give them, you know, whatever, I think it was 40 percent of revenue in, in Florida to, to for that access or whatever they negotiate. Um, and, you know, DraftKings and Vandal were two obvious candidates for that. Does this effort like basically kill that idea? Like, are they going to be will they will they play nice? Will the Seminole tribe and Hard Rock and them play nice with DraftKings and Vandal or DraftKings Vandal's putting all of their their uh their their chips in the middle on this uh you know it, it it seems to me that you know the Seminole tribes obviously not very happy that they're gonna have to to fight this effort as well you know when they thought they had this when they had this all worked out maybe it was 
maybe it was obvious that this was going to happen or maybe not. But like, that's the, that's the part to me is like, if the big, if the, you know, the people who want an open market are, are, are behind this ballot, but they also want to have a deal with the Seminole tribe, which they at least said in, in public, like we're open to those kind of relationships. What does that mean for all of that? That's the part that, you know, are you like, you're, you're, it's a big, it's a, it's a risk. I think what's what's going on here, whether, you know, whether DraftKings and Fandler are doing the right thing, you know, they probably see this, you know, maybe they see this as the opening up the market is better than, you know, letting hard rock kind of dictate the terms like that. That would be the, the metagame of it, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'm curious if Adam, you have any other thoughts or any other Intel on, on that part of the, the negotiations here and what's going on. So I think if you look at how long it would probably take to launch sports betting in the first place, that it's not, all that much longer than it will be to get this ballot initiative qualified and get it on in 2022. Because if you weren't launching until early 2022, so essentially you'd just be saying, all right, maybe DraftKings FanDuel lose a market opportunity of what, six months, um, maybe a year by the time you factor in what the law would look like after a vote. Um, and was it that exciting an opportunity to get in at not only 40% revenue share? And don't get me wrong, we're just talking about New York and 50 plus percent revenue share uh, in New York. But the one thing that we've never been able to get our heads around is that if these companies have to license through the Seminole tribe, how much of their information are they giving up to the tribe? How are they having to give up their database? Are they having to give up you know, any sort of proprietary information about their tech stack. Like there's a lot here that's unclear that I would think would be highly unappealing to a FanDuel or a DraftKings to have to open up their business to the Seminole tribe, to Hard Rock, to a competing brand that is mm -hmm. going to be a competing brand in other states. It's not like Hard Rock is stopping in Florida. Like there's a lot here that to me, if I'm FanDuel or DraftKings, I'm probably willing to roll those dice about what it looks like if I maybe I'm not going to say sever the relationship, but harm the relationship, because in the end, let's say the ballot initiative fails and they have to come back and do a deal with Hard Rock. Well, what's Hard Rock going to do? They're just going to turn the screws on them a little bit and drive a better deal than they would have in the first place. Right. So in the end, I think it's probably a worthwhile risk for uh, for FanDuel, DraftKings and anybody else who wants to get behind it if they're uncomfortable with the terms of doing business with the tribe. Speaking of uh, what what is going to happen with, uh, you know, opening things up and maybe getting some stuff going with, you know, back ends and tech providers and stacks and things like that. In comes the news that Scientific Games, who is a major player in the United States, is going to focus more on their core business here, Dustin. And what that does to the sports betting industry as a whole is one, well, I guess we don't know quite yet, but two, no matter what happens is going to be very interesting. It is a pretty interesting domino to fall here. Yeah, this is an interesting one to come down. Not one I had heard before. So that, yeah, scientific yeah. games, which is in the, uh, you know, you know, maybe, you know, not, not everybody who, who, uh, follows all this casually would be aware, but is very involved with everything with a lot of aspects of the, of the gaming industry. Uh, especially, uh, you know, lottery, it's, it's divesting its lottery business and its sports betting businesses in separate transactions. And, you know, the sports betting part, obviously what we're focusing on here, but, you know, they, they are, they, they work with multiple operators. They're, they, they're part of the, the tech stack that FanDuel uses. They're WinBet, which is, which is uh, relatively new uh, operators we've talked about on this podcast. Uh, Gold Nugget, which is uh, part of that as well, uh, part, has, has spun off into a, a publicly traded organization for for online sports betting and online casino. So um, it's it's an interesting because it, it instantly then becomes an acquisition target. I think you know you're looking at whether other whether other operators that don't own their own tech 
or you know somebody who's not an operator like a data supplier or just somebody else who wants to wants to do wants this you know we we've, we've seen the val- we've seen people valuing this uh technology right we've seen uh, the sp mm-hmm. tech deal with draftkings we've seen um you know valleys acquire uh, um their own tech stack as well so this it's in- interesting and it's going to be uh you know i think this probably said a lot of reverberations throughout the industry and like people are now doing uh what, what what does this mean, and what and what and should we be looking at side game sports betting business as something we can add on to our business? So, Adam, when we take a look at this, I mean, one of the things that we one of the things that we talked about that didn't actually follow through was was MGM was trying to bring their all of the stuff in house when they put in a bid to to buy out in which is what is now Intain, um, but that didn't that didn't work out. The bid apparently wasn't big enough. I could only assume you could get scientific games for a fraction of that. Now I understand there'd be some, some stuff that needed to be worked out and breaking of contracts and all that, I assume, or at least letting contracts expire and, and all of that. But um, you know, whenever we talk about potential suitors for something like this, we at least know that MGM has had interest in the past in owning their own tech. They have. And I think we saw very clearly that Entain made a smart decision to reject that initial MGM bid because they're probably, if they want to come back to this later, going to get significantly more than they would have initially. Um, You're right. It'll be a fraction talking about just spinning off the sports betting part of the side games business, which is obviously a much, much larger, uh, you know, casino slot, et cetera, uh, company. But in the end, we're still talking about a back-end provider here and, and a back-end provider that might not be a, an entire solution uh, for someone. That said, I think this is probably a smart time to do it because just look at the multiples that are out there on companies that we did not mm-hmm. think were going to sell for nearly what they've sold for. And if you have something that is at some level proven that some companies are already tied into and probably would like to be able to maintain as much of a continuity within their stack as they have, then yeah, then this would probably be the time for side games to do this. And as the uh, analyst that Brad Allen spoke with for our article at LSR said, uh, side games thought they were going to be able to make a bigger splash than they have. Uh, It hasn't really worked out the way that they thought it would. And we've been very clear on this podcast about what their interest was in getting into Oregon. Uh, They thought they were going to have a hand in being able to get near that contract uh, in Oregon. They were the ones pushing a lot of information on us uh, about SB tech that just came out in the Hindenburg report once again. So um, really things have not gone exactly the way they thought they would, but it seems like there might be a reasonable exit strategy here. Dustin, when we do take a look at this, I mean, there are players. I mean, you know, a couple of companies that that do use uh, that you do use SG, uh, use scientific games right now. Uh, Win is obviously a major company that uses it. Betfred, if you're familiar with gaming in general, you're under, you understand Betfred. But a, a brand that is going to be getting going over here a little bit more. Or something we just I just mentioned MGM. There probably will be no shortage of people who will at least be kicking the tires here on something like this. I would at least imagine. Yeah, and Side Games basically didn't close the door on anything. They said, like, suggested there's an IPO to spin the businesses off. The the SPAC combination of businesses. There's 
really uh, basically said whatever you want to do we're gonna we're gonna look at it so right uh yeah it's so it might not just be straight m a it might be you know, that, you know again we see we've seen a slow a little bit of a slowdown on the spac world uh everywhere here in the sports betting business uh, which i mean not really that much of a slowdown it's been, it's been a hot minute since we've seen one but you know it, it, you know it's you could go public and see what see what happens there too either mm-hmm. uh, ipo or spac so yeah, it'll be. It, I mean, this is this is a fascinating thing. You know, you don't. You know, there's there's limited dance partners here, and yeah, you you know, you look at what everybody else has done. Is that is that your growth strategy, and is that how you sell sell that you're going to grow? Is that you you have this, and you can differentiate your product by kind of owning part of the the back end tech. Uh, but you know, that that'll be it'll be interesting to see. And I you know, something is going to happen. This will be an attractive attractive thing whether it's you know whether it goes public or somebody acquires it or, or merges with the side game business with sports betting business adam let's uh let's talk about ohio a state that we have now for i guess probably six consecutive podcasts had at least a little bit of a nugget coming from uh from the state of ohio and uh here we are again maybe not the best you know we did some predictions at the beginning of the year for lsr and i said that i thought ohio was the state most likely to get something done And while they were busy holding 15, no, I'm not making the number up or using hyperbole, 15 hearings on sports betting this year, they got it through the Senate and then couldn't get it through the House before summer recess. And so uh, the House essentially took what the Senate had passed in late June and said, "Uh, cool, but we're not in a rush on this. Uh, We'll get back to it and we'll get back to it in the fall once we're back in session. Now, mind you, We already talked about the fact that within this bill, sports betting was not going to start in Ohio until April of 2022 at the earliest. Well, you can go ahead and add a few months to that because now it's probably going to have to be pushed back again on the assumption that you do pass it through the House and on the assumption that you pass it through the House unchanged, uh, which is certainly not a guarantee. There were some last minute amendments thrown into another bill to try to facilitate sports betting here over the last couple of days. Those are rejected by the house. And so essentially this market that should be one of the most lucrative markets that held all of these hearings to try to get stakeholder input and seem to have crafted one of those, let's try to make everybody happy bills and came as close as anybody has to getting it. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna say right, but right. Er, yeah, mm-hmm. well, we're going to be waiting again. Uh, yeah. So speaking of waiting, what a perfect segue here, uh, to you, Dustin, Louisiana, a state that, uh, you know, listen, I have already forwarded this article to to some buddies of mine and um, I can't read the responses because they are, uh, you know, not suitable for podcast uh, responses coming here. Uh, What's the latest out of Louisiana? Uh, Gong show. I don't know. It's not not great. (laughs) Uh, So you kind of need people in charge of gaming to like roll out new forms of gaming. Right. So. They don't have a gaming control board chair uh, <laughs> in the in the old Louisiana. So they, until they do that, they can't have rules for sports betting. So we're like in I guess we're in hiatus now until we until we do that. They, you know, they said they're going to work on this or they're going to be working to fill that pretty quickly. But until you happen, you can't. You know, does that how long does that person then need to get up to speed if you're going to require that person or is he, or is it going to be? you know, doled out to other people, people to the existing uh, mechanisms there in Louisiana. So anyway, like we're, we don't have we, Louisiana. Everybody says, Oh, NFL season. We're not going to, I don't think we're seeing NFL season. If we're, this is part of the dynamic uh, for sports betting in Louisiana, the fact that we have this, this delay based on the no gaming control, nobody in charge of gaming in the state. So we'll see, hopefully they, they rectify that soon, get to writing rules and then we can get to a launch of, of sports betting in Louisiana, but sorry. 
sorry to all your friends. Uh, it's yeah. going to be a little bit more waiting. Hopefully not the two years of the, of the daily fantasy sports. Yes, I have at least a half a dozen NSFP uh, responses to this so that I cannot I can't put those out there. Adam, we know how this goes. It will be uh, the next thing we hear will be like by Super Bowl. And then the next thing we hear will be like by March Madness. And like we know how this goes. It's just you just pick like the you pick the like arbitrary big thing. So it was like football season in general. And then it'll be like, no, 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 by Super Bowl. And then it'll be like, no, 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 by March Madness. We know how these things get delayed. Well, I think in Louisiana, it would be perfect if we said it'll be ready by Mardi Gras. The, uh, and you know what? There you go. And that is absolutely. See, Adam, look at that. You know what? I'm surprised you didn't craft some sort of headline for that that had some, some sort of tie-in <laughs> to something like that. Um, all right, take us home with the uh, quick updates here. I'll make it as quick as possible. Um, we are putting out a call to any experts in Maine law to get in touch with us anytime you like because <laughs> we thought we knew what was going on in Maine. We thought the bill that had passed the House and the Senate was going to the governor, but apparently the bill needs to be considered a second time in these chambers. And so we're still watching what's happening in Maine. We don't have any indication that Governor Mills is any more inclined to sign it this time than she did last time. However, uh, the fact that there is a tethering requirement to casinos does take some opposition out of the way of getting things done in Maine. If it passed once, probably should pass twice. But again, this is the same state where the governor penned a veto response in which she cited potential betting on spelling bees as a reason for right. not having betting. So, you know, we'll wait and see when it yeah. comes to Maine. Uh, we saw the first responses to the rules published in Arizona. Look, they continue to be on a steady pace uh, down there in Arizona. Um, not a whole lot of um, revolutionary comments when it came to that uh, one person said they thought DraftKings should launch before September 9th which is the expected launch date cool good for you um, and then another person basically told everybody that they're going to hell for having sports betting so you know whatever uh, we're, we're still on track in Arizona um, to a little a mm -hmm. little a little side mm -hmm. note there just because I've been catching as I'm leaving a studio at night I've I catch these the NBA conference finals games and it's been the the West Coast feed and so I've been getting the Phoenix Suns broadcast where they have boldly been advertising their partnership with FanDuel Sportsbook uh, throughout the broadcasts and stuff and encouraging people to sign up for free to play DFS contests now so that yeah and so so that has all been that is all yeah, the wheels are definitely in motion oh, that's for without sure. question and here's a little yeah. here's a little piece of breaking news that we'll be putting up on the site uh, in just a few minutes here the Phoenix Mercury now have a deal with Bally's and so they are according to this press release the first women's professional sports team to have a sports betting deal but it appears that Bally's will launch via the Mercury uh, in Arizona. So add another team uh, down there to the Arizona ranks where we already had FanDuel and the Suns. We already had Caesars and the Diamondbacks. We already had DraftKings and the PGA Tour at the Phoenix Open. So yes, things are certainly moving right along in Arizona. <laughs> It's, it still hasn't gotten weird to me that they are the market access partners. Like the, the, the teams are the market. Like, 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 just like imagine writing this sentence five years ago. Like, oh, you, oh, you, no. you have to, you have to, or offer sports spending in a state. You have to partner with the the WNBA team, like like, like that sounds like I can't even I wrap my I still can't wrap my head around. It's still so super weird. Continue with your updates. Though. <laughs> no, no, that's a great place to stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just it's just it was it was crazy to me. I just was it. I was I was leaving and like I'm in the it, it it's like you said, Dustin. Almost it's like 
it's not even weird to me now, but then I had to stop and like soak it in that I, I was listening to this official Phoenix Suns radio broadcast to where they were talking about the official sports betting partner. It hasn't even launched yet in the state. And they're like the special, the, the official sports betting partner of, of the Phoenix Suns. And by the way, go sign up for this free to play DFS contest. so We can get your email address. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it was just, it's nuts. It's wild. And like, I'm hearing it. And then like by the second t- or third time I heard it, Adam, I had the moment where I stop and go, Oh yeah, like I'm actually hearing this. This is like, oh, yeah. hey, you know, not even happening in the state yet, and we are already touting. Yeah, this. I, you know, I, somehow the words irreparable harm never appeared on any of those broadcasts. It's crazy. <laughs> um, and, and then I guess one other little one other little tidbit there, uh, Adam. We did we did have a little bit of a tick back up in in Nevada numbers again. I know everyone thought Nevada was going to go out of business, but it seems like uh, seems like everything is okay when it comes to the sports betting handle. Here. Yeah, I'm. I'm you you know, I could give you the whole reports of demise, greatly exaggerated line, but, uh, you know, people <laughs> will still be talking about how New Jersey is a bigger market, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bigger market. Like, you know, people don't always travel to come bet. That said, the rising tide does seem to be lifting all boats here as Nevada uh, registered nearly five hundred million dollars in handle last month. And think about it. This is not a heavy calendar for Nevada. Uh, we're mm-hmm. talking about nearly 500 million when we were talking about March Madness as a big deal a couple of years ago when it hit about 600, 650 million. So it's still a pretty impressive number. Uh, Hold was pretty much uh, right on historical pace, but 5.7%. And uh, overall, most of the betting being done on basketball. We saw, uh, by the way, to add one thing, Colorado uh, had its revenue report come out as well. Uh, Revenue dipped a little bit there and uh, uh, handle still fairly strong and because people love to hear about it table tennis fourth among sports in betting the uh resorts world open in las vegas this past week as well and you know we I, I since we talk about sports betting, we talk about just gaming in general and things like that. I mean, one, I don't know if we'll have another mega resort open, Adam, in our lifetime. Maybe we will. But I mean, certainly not anytime soon. The first mega resort opening in, in a couple of decades here. And I went over there. They took a different kind of take on sports betting. So it's inside a bar over there. So you go in and if you go to the left, it's kind of like the sports bar kind of like the sports book wing of the bar. And if you go to the right, there is a stage with like live music and there's still TVs and stuff and there's places you can eat and different stuff like that. And so they kind of went a blend of the sports book slash casual. It's not like um, some of the ones, you know, let's uh, let's take uh over at, at MGM, whenever they've kind of started to blend things back and forth, um, like park MGM or whatever, where it's not just a full on sports bar slash sports book where, where, you know, you're, you're feel like you're in a Buffalo wild wings, but this is kind of like, you kind of have your choice of the two. You can go and just sit and just watch sports in the sports book, or you can go over and kind of have the bar experience inside of that. So that's kind of how resorts world decided to go about their, their opening and their launch of sports, uh, uh, sports betting. And also we should, we should mention, I mean, I guess it will be at least a new player in the market as well. I mean, I know that it's not, I, I know that Boyd is powered by IGT as well, but hasn't gained a ton of traction here in Vegas. But I imagine Resorts World will will lift the profile there a little bit of that. Well, and let's talk about something real quick when it comes to that IGT Boyd, the whole platform, right? There is something within that that you and I have talked about, Matt, uh, with a robust prop offering uh, yes. within that menu that is something that has not existed 
uh, within Nevada. I was on a different radio program. We had one of the book directors uh, from within the Boyd family on talking to us and saying like, yeah, we're, we're really trying to push into that market. And when I say like beyond the norm, I mean, Matt and I are used to having, you know, let's say on an NBA game, 10 different player props to bet on. Well, tops. yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you can multiply that by 10 or 20 for what we've seen mm-hmm. uh, out of that Boyd menu. So we hope that more than anything, it's something that pushes the rest of the market. Yeah, very, very interesting stuff just to kind of see how these, you know, the 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 build of the sports books was another was one of the topics that we talked about a lot here for a while. There hadn't been any new really like new builds here uh, for us to talk about, especially during covid. So uh, to go in and kind of see how they interpreted, you know, the modern sports book and what the maybe the modern sports better might want was was fairly interesting to me. Um, guys, as always, everything we talk about here on the podcast, you can find over at LegalSportsReport.com and please go in, subscribe, rate, and review over on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you find your podcast, because we really do, one, appreciate them, and two, helps us climb the charts, helps more people to find this here very podcast. If you want to follow Dustin on Twitter, at Dustin Galkin, if you want to follow Adam, at Adam Candy, two E's, know why it's free. Go push the button, go smash it. For Dustin, for Adam, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.